It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, welcome to a bonus Green and Jays podcast. Jay, we just did a show a few days ago, but the All-Star game is over. We're recording this as soon as the game is wrapped up. The West won a nail-biter, 196 to 173. Uh, which doesn't even – I have never even seen a, seen a score like that when I was playing on NBA Live on Easy. I hate the All-Star game. Every year I tell myself I'm not going to watch the All-Star game, and every year I watch it, and every year I hate it. There's the, – the most defense played in that game – was when they realized Paul George was going to break Wilt Chamberlain's record for most points in a single game, and they finally decided to have a little pride. I I cannot stand watching players allow opponents to go in for wide-open dunks. I can't stand the fact that people were basically trying to let Kobe score points and and pile up stats. I, I couldn't stand any of that. Paul George, he had 41 points just hitting wide-open shots. Stephen Curry was shooting shots from, like, 35 feet, which, yeah, cool. Like, if you make them, he was missing them. I hate the All-Star game, and this year's was one of the worst I think I've ever seen as far as defensive nonchalance and absolute indifference from everybody on the court. Just a love fest, and it was gross. Such gross basketball. Imagine how fun the All-Star game would be if both teams would try, if you could get the 24 best players in the world trying, just trying, it would be unreal to watch. But instead we get guys launching threes and guys dunking with uncontested lanes to the hoop. It's a joke, and I hate it, and this is my rant. Kicking off the show with a rant. Strong Had to move. do it. Had I'm, to do. Although, hold on, All Star Saturday was fantastic. Like, yeah, oh, that yeah, dunk yeah. contest was the best I've ever seen. Even the skills challenge was fun, which the skills challenge is never fun. That was fun. Three point contest, fantastic. Dunk contest, out of this world. So, part part of All Star Weekend was nice, but the the game itself, I I can do without. And Sting, come on, get Sting the heck out of there. So. Find someone who the fans of the NBA would actually enjoy. Well, Come on, guys. how about how about there was a there was an artist who's from Toronto who was in the building. Yeah. Drake yeah. showed up. Now I'm no Drake fan at all. I don't like Drake. Do you think Drake said no? He had to. Drake, he must have. 
They must have showed up. And what did he do? He walked out there. He said, hey, we're from Toronto. My name is Drake. Here's the starters. And he didn't even announce the starters himself. I thought he was going to do like a little thing. Maybe he wrote a little rap for the starters. No, nothing. He just said, here are the starters. And then the regular announce guy shows up again. And that's it. At the end, he says, okay, uh, my name's Drake. Let's go play basketball. The best part of that, though, was Kobe and Russell Westbrook. Everybody else went over to say what's up to Drake. And Kobe and Russell Westbrook both completely ignored him. And if there were two guys to completely ignore him, it would be those two guys. It's fantastic. Like it, it, was, it was perfect. No, I will even say this. Kobe definitely just walked right down. He's like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Westbrook like made it a point to like look at him and be like, hey, Look at me. I am not coming over to you. He, like, just added some flair to it. Uh, everyone else was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get some tap from Drake. But whatever. So now Drake is sitting there. He is from this area. He's from Toronto or wherever the hell in Canada he's actually from. I don't even know or care. But he is a popular artist. He has a song out recently. I think he has a current album out. And... Yeah, nah, screw it. Let's sting. Let's sting. Go do a medley of songs that are thirty years old. Those songs are older than everybody besides Kobe in the All Star game. Yeah, and and the only person who's older than Kobe is your boy. I'm forgetting his name now. The ref. What the hell is his name? Your boy, the ref. Dick Pavetta. Recently retired ref. Dick Pavetta. Dick Pavetta. Kobe now. Dick Pavetta. Oh, I missed. I can't believe I, I just forgot Dick his name. That, I, I that's bad. Your... I made a Dick Pavetta reference without remembering Dick Pavetta's name. Horrible. I'm sad. But that's what the All-Star game does to me. You, you know? are enraged at this All-Star game. Isaiah Thomas, by the way, in his first All-Star game, nine points, three rebounds, an assist and a steal. Uh, and one, one shot lodged in between the backboard right, and the rim. Right, which was like, going to be his signature moment until he won the jump ball and actually hit a layup past Kobe. So that was illegal, right? What's, what was in, a, in a real game, that was illegal, right? Like he, he tapped the jump ball to himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they, they just kind of let it go because it's the All-Star game. The All-Star game sucks. But... <laughs> <laughs> But that was a cool moment. That was, that was fun. It was that fun. Was, yeah, that was so nice. we had All-Star so Saturday, Aaron Gordon. Now, whatever. They should have just given them each a trophy. No, Aaron Gordon deserved the trophy. Aaron fun. Gordon, his dunks were better than Zach Levine's. And Zach Levine, was, he was doing windmills from the free throw line. And still, Aaron Gordon's were better. That's how good that dunk contest was. Yeah. They need to do something, I guess, I don't know, they can't go beyond 10 because somebody would do something ridiculous. Like, if you could just give them any number you want, somebody would have been like, well, that's a million. Shaq but, would have still been on nine, though. <laughs> he might have. Uh, but what, however it worked out, I mean, after the, after the dunk contest, Zach Levine went over to Aaron Gordon. You could see him. With that, like, he was amazed at the stuff that Gordon was doing. That was sick. That yeah, was it was sick. it was crazy. I mean, come on. The uh, I don't know. That that I The pictures gonna... of him jumping over the mascot and like sitting with the ball underneath his legs ready to 
Like that, that was impossible to be that high and to do what he did and to dunk it cleanly. That That's the thing about these dunks. Like those guys are doing it on the first try. Yeah. It was so easy for them. Like you got to be kidding me. It's unbelievable. And like you said, Zach Levine doing windmills from the free throw line and like no, no issue at all. Just whatever. Did it without me. He made it look too easy. Uh, unreal okay so all-star weekend uh done thank over. god you can now relax chill have a beer jay just kind of calm down get your blood blood pressure down <laughs> and get ready for trade room ready for the next yes the thing that infuriates me the most because i i am in the complete minority when it comes to trade rumors i hate like 99 percent of them Mostly because How are you a blogger who hates trade rumors? I, I don't know. I don't know. Be, be, that has to drive your traffic crazy, right? Oh, it's any little rumor that comes out there, as soon as we post it, through the roof, traffic through the roof. It's the same with everybody. That's I mean, the people love it, and, and we'll give the people what they want. They, every trade rumor, we'll post it and everything, but I get, I get annoyed I'll tell you exactly what annoys me. I'll go on a little mini rant. When Bill Simmons puts a suggestion out there, when he says, blah, blah, blah for blah, 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 who says no? Or he mentions it in a podcast. He's just a guy who's making things up. That's that's what he's doing. He's going to the trade machine, and he's like, well, the Celtics have these guys, and they need this kind of guy, so I'm going to come up with a scenario and just throw it out there. But then people take it as oh this is a rumor are these guys talking should they be talking and that's what gets me it's like no it's just some dude just made some shit up it's whatever it's my nothing. my favorite was when uh bobby marks wrote on yahoo like the the random celtics offer for dwight howard yeah and then celtics twitter including yourself you got you almost got in a brawl with uh my man at danger card yeah well, it was, it was, I, you got you guys. You guys were throwing blows at each other. That was that was fun to watch. I was eating popcorn watching you guys just debate the the Dwight Howard conundrum. Even though it wasn't even a real rumor, it was just like Bobby Marks decided this is an offer the Celtics could potentially throw at the Houston Rockets. Right. And then everyone just was wound up that whole morning, which was fantastic. Yeah. And, Loved and it. Just, I, I, I whipped out the popcorn at like 10 a.m. Just to be clear, I, there was no animosity in my tweets. It wasn't like, I don't know if it came off that way. We were just no, no, going back didn't. and forth as, as a debate. And just different philosophies. I can see, I can understand the Celtics doing that. And this is we had this conversation last week, and I wrote that piece. And basically, my my scenario is... The Celtics have all of these picks. There's no way they can make all of these picks. They've got, what, nine guaranteed guys under contract. They're not going to make three more three more picks. Even if one of them's a draft and stash, they're not going to make all of these picks. They can't. And they've got uh, the these other assets. They've got players and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, if you're going to take a – if you're going to roll the dice on a player, this is the scenario where Danny Ainge can do it. That's And, and I think that with all of the cap space out there – just certain things aren't what they used to be. Like the, the, the David Lee thing from today. 
Nobody wants David Lee. Yeah, no kidding. Nobody wants David Lee. <laughs> uh, right. Of course. Of course. But they, and they're not sitting there saying like, "Hey, David Lee, huh? Oh, he could really help you out." Don't really look at his plus minus or the effect that he has on off court. Just don't look at any of that stuff. Just try to remember the David Lee that was, you know, an all-star. 2013 all-star David Lee. But nobody wants him. And even that 2013, I, whatever, we're not going to get into that. He's not drawing much interest. And again, no shit, he's not drawing much interest. But he was never supposed to be, I don't think, the, the guy that would draw interest himself. The whole point of a David Lee is he's the contract. He's, he's yep. Keith Bogans. He's, he's, just, he's reduced to subhuman levels, and he's now <laughs> a sheet of paper with a number on it. That's basically what his appeal is to other teams, except that everybody has cap space now. And there's something like 20 teams out there that could make a max offer to somebody this summer. So there aren't very many teams at all that will look at Lee and say, hey, we can unload this guy who's under contract for two or three years that we're just not going to deal with. We can get this expiring contract. We can clear some space and we can move on. That's how the, the, the mechanics have worked in the past. That's not how they're working now. Nobody really needs a Lee deal to clear cap space they've got it so well the the important part of lee i think is that at this stage is that his contract is big enough that it can match with almost any star the celtics will go after and then they could add you know a young player a draft pick couple draft picks whatever and then they wouldn't need to add filler to that and so that's David Lee's value at this point. Other than that, nobody wants him. He, nobody thinks he can help out a rotation. I'm not sure, looking at any rotation in the league, that he could really help out anyone. So it, 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 you're right. He's, he's, he's been reduced to subhuman levels. So, I mean, really, it, it, I'm trying to think of a team off the top of my head that would i mean you're you're looking at the reset situation you're looking at teams that if atlanta decides they want to reset that i mean that could be a destination because if you're going to do it you might as well get as much space as you can i guess but like i just said it doesn't really matter but i don't memphis memphis is a mess and what are they, I don't know. That's so. But regardless, I, I've I've just been listening to a lot of people talk about the trade deadline, and the one thing I keep hearing is beyond obviously the Celtics would like to make some sort of deal, the consolidating deal, that the Celtics are in constant communication with other teams, saying, "Hey, if you need a third team, we're here." So I'm starting to get this feeling that the Celtics' involvement in the trade deadline is going to be less direct trade for a a bigger-name player and more third team trying to kind of shake free some of those assets. Like maybe the Celtics send Lee somewhere to make salaries match in a three-team deal 
and maybe they get rid of the Dallas pick for a future pick, you know, and they kind of kick that can down the road a little bit. Yeah, although it was a lot easier to to be a facilitator like that last year when they had cap space or the year before when they had the big trade exception. I think this year, because they don't have cap space and they don't have a big trade exception, it could be more difficult. Um, so I, I think I think their mentality going in is, yeah, they they would love to get some big star, whether it would be Kevin Love, Al Horford, whatever. If you can get a star player and you can get him under contract or you can get him into Boston this year, that that'd be fantastic because then you have a – and if you do it without losing the Brooklyn pick, then you still have that. You have a team that's up and coming, number three in the Eastern Conference right now. You have a coach, Brad Stevens, who can attract – who can help attract free agents because he maximizes guys' talents and because he seems like a great, great guy to work for. So you have a lot going for you if you get that that one star. But that star might not be there. You know, the Hawks are still – they're still – they still figure into the Eastern Conference conversation. If they decide to move forward from a team that was – won 60 games last season that that's a radical move i i would i would be surprised if they decide to blow it up i really would just because nobody does that nobody takes a 60 win team from the year before and just says you know what we're done with this roster let's move on from al horford who's still just 29 and jeff teague who's younger than that and they were all-stars last year and horford was an all-star this year so i don't know i'd, I'd be surprised but my, my point was the Celtics, if they can't find a star, they're looking for upgrades. Whether it's somebody like Danilo Gallinari or, you know, somebody else that can can lift some some position on their roster. It doesn't matter what. I, I think wing depth, when you look at their roster, is the one thing that, that's a glaring need, I think, for them. After Jay Crowder, they really don't have a lot of size on the wing. So I, I think that's a need that they would love to address, whether it's this trade deadline, later on. But we've talked about this before. Ainge, you know, his last however many trades, he's really gotten the best of people. And he's targeted players that have a specific skill set, whether it's Isaiah Thomas Thomas with, with his scoring or Jay Crowder with, you know, his rugged physicality and, and his they didn't know how good a playmaker he was and or a secondary playmaker he was and how helpful he would be offensively, but they knew that he was ready for a bigger role. So it's guys like that that Ainge has targeted that he I think he might target a guy like that again. And the thing about their roster is they go nine, ten deep and they're all good players. It's tough to upgrade their roster because even guys like, you know, on the bench like Evan Turner Marcus Smart, Kelly Olynyk, those are good players. So to get an upgrade, it's got to be a good player, and those are the guys Angel will be chasing after. And I, I do think he will be searching for those guys who maybe are undervalued elsewhere and have skill sets that Brad Stevens can tap into. Brad Stevens has has done a really good job of maximizing skill sets of guys that aren't necessarily complete players but can do one or two things or however many things well. Like Evan Turner, that's a guy who's really flawed game. Stevens has maxed him out. You know, 
Isaiah Thomas, five foot nine. <laughs> Stevens macked him out. There are a lot of guys on that roster that don't have complete games, but Stevens has gotten a lot out of them. And there are other guys around the league that coaches aren't necessarily getting the most out of and that, that the Celtics look at as, as maybe an opportunity. And those are the guys I think are, are probably more likely to, to be acquisitions at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much, I think, I, I don't think that this superstar, though there there are the rumors, the Daily News had that rumor, I mean, it's been shot down, but it was out there that somehow the the um, the Celtics were going to get potentially Kevin Love. There's a lot of talk out there. People people are basically looking for any possible situation in which a player might need to be moved. Uh, Asherod Blakely brought up Harrison Barnes in Golden State, which I don't can, think can can I shoot that down? Yeah, well, yeah. That that sounds outrageous. The the Golden State Warriors are probably going to break, or not probably, but they have a legitimate chance of breaking the Chicago Bulls record for most wins in a single season. You think they're going to go ahead and trade Harrison Barnes at the deadline? Right. Well, there is no chance. That's what I'm no saying. No right? chance they're going to sell a guy that is a legitimate piece of what they're doing. There's no way. You know, they'll keep him. He's a restricted free agent. And maybe they'll do a sign and trade in the summer, but there's no way they're moving him at the deadline. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. That he's there's not going to be much movement on him. He's going to get max offers this summer. Are you talking oh, yeah. about he's as as perfectly set up right now to to cash in restricted free agent? They're going to a bunch of teams like most teams are going to say here's all of our money and whatever, but. It's up to Golden State at that point to decide what they want to do moving forward after they've probably won their second straight title. That's you know up to them. And, and however they do it, they do it, and the Celtics will, I'm sure, be involved somehow. But that's not going to happen at the deadline. Um, going back to the Atlanta situation, I think the Teague stuff is real. I don't know how real the other stuff is. But... Again, the reports were that there were internal discussions about whether to do this stuff. Like that's that doesn't mean a whole lot, but it just fuels the rumor mill. So, yeah, if you're Atlanta, you do have internal discussions when you sit there and you say, "We've got these guys and Horford might not come back. Is it time for us to just if he doesn't come back, if we don't get that sense, do we want to move him and just start over? That's yeah. a, that, I mean that's a solid internal discussion. That's what teams do. So, yeah, I mean you have to think about everything. And I, as much as I said, you know, the, the Hawks won sixty games last year. Even last year, when when they were really really good, there was a feeling like this team is not a contender because they don't really have that star. And it's the same feeling we really have with Boston. Yeah, it, it, it's a similar. Obviously, the Celtics aren't as good this year as the Hawks were last season, but it's that similar feeling where this is a this this Celtics team is a good team. They are, you know, they can compete with anybody on a given night, but they definitely don't have enough talent to to win a playoff series and to win multiple playoff series against top teams. There's no way. 
So, yeah, so maybe Atlanta is having the same conversations that that Danny Ainge is having where he's like, you know what, we're good, but we need more. And But the thing about that is they, they have good players. The Hawks have good players. You don't want to lose good players. The, the Celtics aren't sitting there like, oh, yeah, we've got to trade Jay Crowder because – <laughs> because you know we're not at that place where we have that star where we can really contend, and I don't know. Well, it's I mean it's a totally different situation though. Atlanta, yeah, you know, obviously, obviously coming up. <laughs> obviously, that's a really different situation, and you you have to consider moving Al Horford if you don't think he's going to resign there. But I mean that's that's a painful conversation to have if you have to move Al Horford, and he's kind of been their rock for for years. That that would be a tough tough guy to move for them, mm-hmm. and and they they would want, I'm sure, a, a considerable amount back, even if there's a, a chance because he likes Atlanta. He he has always said good things about Atlanta. So I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what happens with Atlanta because I do think with the Teague and Schroeder thing, like Teague could definitely be on the on the market, and Teague has a great contract. Two years at like seven or eight million. He's got like the Isaiah Thomas deal. Yeah. So that's interesting. There's a lot of teams. I think the last like couple of weeks kind of solidified which teams will be buyers and which teams will be sellers. So like the Rockets, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you, you didn't know whether they would think they maybe had an outside shot to like pull their season together. Now it's like, no, <laughs> their coach Bickerstaff is out there like, this is a broken team. This team is so fragmented. We're a mess right now. And so, obviously, they they have to consider changes. There there are a lot of teams out there, like the Magic, I think. They'll have to consider changes. Obviously, they have an interesting young core, but like a young core that's never done anything. So, there's a lot of teams out there. I I think it started to separate itself the last couple weeks of like who could be buyers and who could be sellers. Where before that, it was kind of like just a – a cluster of teams that were just kind of didn't know exactly what they were, I think. Yeah, and it's it's so different in these situations. Let me just shout out a couple of tweets here because it's just topical with what we're discussing. Uh, and, well, two from the same person at RLS003, who asked about what do you think about Shiraz Lamus' latest rumor about Barnes? Do we already address that? Uh, and then regarding Horford, he says, do you think that the player that had interest in playing for the Seas was Horford. Uh, this is in regards to uh, Isaiah Thomas talking to another NBA player, something that at Dane Harshman asks. Uh, he brought it up, Isaiah Thomas apparently talking to someone in private about the Celtics. So the report, not the report, the tweet came out that Isaiah Thomas had said somebody at the All-Star game, a player, not necessarily an all-star, but you know, because there are a lot of players there. But players were asking about Boston, as in, what's it like to play there? So interesting, the recruiting that's going on. I'm sure Isaiah Thomas loves it, he, and and said that he loves it. So, and of course, you see him in the video, kind of joking around with Al Horford, and people are putting trying to put like two and two together. And you look at the Celtics official Twitter page tonight, and it's all Isaiah, 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 and then an Al Horford tweet. Like, okay, interesting, weird, but interesting. That so, was my favorite tweet of the night. Like, so he hit a buzzer beater. Because it was so beater. out of place. 
Yeah. It so, was so out of place. You can, it's, it's such a simple, easy thing that, oh, you know, there was a buzzer beater. They can say, oh, we were just referencing the guy who hit the shot. It just so happened to be Al Horford, and you just so happened to be the only other player that you mentioned the entire night. So interesting stuff there, but maybe it was. Maybe he was asking, and maybe he was asking in the sense that he, he's not going to be traded and he might just look at signing in Boston in the offseason. I mean, that would even, I guess, that could be better. You don't have to give anything up. That would definitely be better if he would do that, but then he would have to give up the extra year and extra money, and there's not a lot of guys that do that. Obviously, LaMarcus Aldridge did it, but he did it to go to the Spurs. I'm not sure someone like Al Horford would do it to go to the Celtics, to be honest. Yeah, well, no, of course not. I mean, it's just like it'd be stupid for LeBron and for Kevin Durant to not sign that one-plus-one deal and try to get as much money as they can. I'm I'm always I'm always all for that. I'm never going to knock a player for going and getting getting money. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. It's it's funny to hear people. Fans are very team oriented because obviously you you grow up in the Boston area. You love the Celtics. You're always kind of on the team side of things. If a guy doesn't take less to stay there, it's he's not loyal. Um, but if he's somebody like if it was the Carmelo Anthony situation in Boston. And somebody says, "Oh, he's self. He's selfish. He d- he doesn't want to waive his no trade clause because you know they they hold that against the player too." So I don't even know where I was going with that. I was talking about Al Horford. Um, it's like Chris Bosh getting getting booed in Toronto tonight. Yeah, a little yeah. Bit. I mean, look, like come on, guys. He, he left agent. for a, a great spot in Miami where he could compete for titles. He was never going to compete for titles in Toronto. He dragged your sorry franchise to the playoffs, as I recall. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> give a guy a good reception. Like, right, right. Come it's, on. It's, you know, you and I and anybody listening would gladly take a lot more money to go do your job somewhere else. Like, There's no – but people think that because it's all of these millions and, and you should be happy with those millions – it's not it's not like that. It, first of all, it's never we always talk about like somebody signs a 100 million dollar contract. They don't actually get a 100 million dollars. And I don't want to make it sound like they get like half of that after taxes and all this. They, they still get a lot of money. They still get a lot of money. They still get a lot of money. They still get a lot of money, but they stop earning that money at like 35 on average. Some guys get to earn earn it later. Some guys s- stop earning it sooner. But uh, it means you you suddenly stop earning money at 35 years old. Now, some of these guys have endorsements. Obviously, those can continue. You get a TV job. Those guys can continue. But a majority of these guys, they, they just stop earning money. And you live for another 40, 45 years on nothing. So, look, it's obviously it's a lot of money. But there are other things that get involved with that. So... If a guy wants to go get an extra year of 25 to $30 million, I'm not going to hold that against them because that's part of a long-term plan. you got to go get your money. So if, if Horford decides that he's not going to stick in Atlanta and he just goes and tells them 
this week, look, guys, I don't think I'm coming back. So you can because I talked to Isaiah Thomas at the All Star game, and he exactly. made Boston sound so awesome. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I mean, one conversation with Isaiah Thomas, and uh, we're all set up. But that's hey, all it takes, man. If he, it, it's 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 totally up to the player, and if he goes to them and says, "I'm I'm probably not coming back this summer," then it then the the team can be like, "All right, fine, we're gonna go find a deal." It's like the Goran Dragic thing last year. Yeah, where they were they seemed pretty committed to trying to make three point guards work. And then all of a sudden, it was like Dragic was like, I want the heck out of here. And they had to change everything. They ended up training Dragic. And then Isaiah Thomas, thankfully for the Celtics, who look back at that trade. That trade, <laughs> they stole Isaiah Thomas yeah. for a late first round pick. They got a guy who became an all star in one year and has one of the best bargain contracts in the NBA. Mm hmm. Like just just an absurd trade for for how it's worked out for the Celtics. I'm oh, not yeah. sure they they thought Isaiah Thomas would be as good as he is, but he's been a very very good offensive player for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and just got... when you look back on that trade, it, perfect fit for him, perfect fit for the team, and they've been such a better team since since he arrived in Boston. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a game a game changer for for the Celtics. So, um, yeah, we'll have to, I guess, wait and see uh, if if any of these guys, you know, you look at the Houston situation. What are they going to give up? Who are they giving up? They're giving up Howard. Danny Ainge is the type of guy that's gonna would would go in there and not get Howard. He would facilitate a three team deal and end up getting like Patrick Beverly. And <laughs> get like Clint Capello somehow. Somehow. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, Dwight Howard goes off and does his thing and ends up being a long term bad contract. The Celtics get like a couple of ancillary players, and those guys end up becoming like huge role players on a good team. Like that's how that's how Ainge would win a trade like that. Somehow you give up you give up Lee and a a pick or something like that. And you get a couple of players, uh, and and all of a sudden those guys blossom. So that would be interesting. I think that's something that I really do think that's something the Celtics could do. They would get involved in the Dwight Howard trade, not to get Howard, and they'd get like a couple of those other players, and that's how it would work out. I don't know, but again, it's a lot harder now that they don't have cap space or the trade exception. No, I know, <laughs> like, I know. It's really hard. To do that, because there's a lot of teams with contracts out there, but it, it's the cap space I think that that's really valuable at this time of year when you're looking to to poach guys in trades. Like when you look back at like the Celtics got Tyler Zeller for basically nothing in that that Cleveland deal. Yeah, like that was basically for nothing. That was just yeah. because they had that trade exception, and then they, they've they've picked up a few other guys like that. So. It's a lot tougher, I think, when you don't have that that cap space or trade exception. But Ainge Ainge is very opportunistic, as as we've seen as we've seen the last three years, actually his whole tenure there. But th- those the smaller guys are, are the ones because obviously if if a big star come comes out and is available, Ainge is going to be there. He's got enough assets. He's got all the 
picks. He's got young players. He's got anything another team could want. And now some of those young players are starting to be established as guys who can help your team. And that's what other teams are going to want when they're looking to trade, if they ever do try to trade a star. But it's those those lesser-tier guys, you know, the, the, the intriguing guys that maybe have a lot of skills and haven't been used right that the Celtics will be targeting, I think. I, I still think, and we've talked about this before, but they're in a good spot right now. They're 32-23. and 23. They're third in the Eastern Conference. They have a probable top-five pick coming from Brooklyn. They have two other first-round draft picks. Like <laughs> they're, they're in an absolutely fantastic spot to be in. They have young guys that are all improving just like they'd wanted them to. Marcus Smart, every once in a while, he shows signs when you're just like, man, I don't know if that guy can't be a star because he has stretches of play where he's just fantastic at both ends. And so they're just in a really good spot right now. And they don't need to to rush anything. They don't need to be impatient. They can look for bargain. They don't have to go after Dwight Howard just because he's available. He's a guy who his next contract could suck. His next contract could be so bad. And that's the type of risk they should stay away from, I think. The the guy whose next contract could be really bad. Because right now they have a young team. So find someone who's younger and can can grow with your team and, and grow with the arc of this Celtics squad because they have a good thing growing. And you, you want to add to that. You don't want to detract from it by by spending too much money on a guy who already has injury issues and is on the downside of his career. I, I think this is this is not the time to take a risk if you're the Celtics front office. You are in a really good spot. It's 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 the time to to wait for something that like Isaiah Thomas is like just something you have to do. So Right. I, I'm not saying like they're they're in a spot where they shouldn't trade because they shouldn't mess with team chemistry. Forget team chemistry right now. Like it's not about this year. This is about building a championship contender. And so so team chemistry, yeah, you could mess with it this year. It's not that big a deal if you mess with team chemistry this year. Like they're not gonna win a title this year. It's about building a contender for the future. And something like Isaiah Thomas, that just kind of that was an opportunity they, they couldn't pass up. They 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 thought about last year trading guys and, and getting worse and trying to get a top lottery pick. And then Isaiah Thomas became available and they were like, We cannot pass up this opportunity it was just something that that became available and those are the opportunities that they should look for the safe ones be safe this week danny ainge and i think he will be i, I think he knows patience is 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 a must right now because they're in such a good spot and i mean worst case scenario let's, let's say worst case scenario they can't find their star they finish out a season where they're top four or five in the east they Maybe went around in the playoffs, and then they add a top five pick. Like that's a pretty good place to be if if you're building a team. And you know who knows what they have in RJ Hunter, who knows what they have in Terry Rozier, Jordan Mickey, James Young. But th this is a team that's built for the future. And if you can get a, a top three or four seed, and then have a 
top five pick on top of that, that's a heck of a place to be. Yeah. Now, but let's let's look at the, the stuff that I was talking about with, with all of those draft picks. So the Celtics have Brooklyn's, their own, and the Dallas pick. So Brooklyn will be top five. One of those picks, probably Dallas, will be in the teens somewhere. The Celtics pick will be somewhere in the late teens, maybe early 20s, depending on how things shake out. So three picks in the first round. What happens if you go into the, into the draft and you still have all of those picks and you can't find a way to make a deal on draft night? What does Danny Ainge do then? Does he make three picks? Does he does he acquire three more rookie players? How how does this roster shake out if that happens? The thing about draft picks is they're always valuable. Whether you trade them for a future pick or trade them for something like draft picks are always have value. Doesn't matter whether it's draft night, some other time, draft picks always have value. So yeah, and and one thing about this draft from what I've heard, it's stacked with international guys. So draft and stash could be a more legitimate option this year than, than maybe it is in most years. So, you know, as you were talking about in the Dwight Howard thing, like who cares if they give up a couple first-round picks? Those are valuable picks. Like there's value in that. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. To me, no. No, 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 no. Because Howard, he'll make your team better this year. There's no doubt about that. Everybody knows Dwight Howard would make the Celtics better this year. He would be immediately their most athletic big man. He would be immediately their best pick-and-roll threat, catching alley-oops. He would be immediately their best defensive big man. There's no doubt about that. But it's the next contract that's the the cost. And and you're not going to just – throw away two first round picks just to throw them away when those could be things those could be helpful to to move up in the draft or to you know trade for whatever else that those picks always have value and that and that's what's great about picks and that's why it's nice that the Celtics have so many picks uh those those always have value they really do but there, unless you're trying to trade for Justice Winslow, right? There, there and, are scenarios and the, where and the Hornets really, really, really want Frank Kaminsky. I think draft night is is the worst time to have that, that, and not the worst time. I think draft picks have the least amount of value on draft night themselves uh, itself, because teams fall in love with the players that they've already worked out, and if they like Jordan, believe that Kaminsky or whoever the next player is fits a certain role and will be good and will will help this team win in the future. They're not going to give up the, the opportunity to draft a guy that they've that they know to get picks either further down or later on in, okay. in the future. Okay, let's let's use this hypothetical, like. 2007, they had the number. They they got unlucky, got the number five pick, and decided to trade it for Ray Allen. So that that could be a similar thing to this year, where 
they're going to have a top five pick. If they get unlucky, it could be number five or six. And they they could want to go target a helpful veteran. Instead of adding, I believe they added Delonte West to that deal. Instead of adding Delonte West to that deal, maybe you add the 18th pick from Dallas. And you get to keep that young player and instead of having to give that up. So that that's where it comes into play. And that that's where it's huge to have those extra picks. And so I I think that's that's the value in having those because there's always something like that where where that helps. I don't disagree with that notion at all. I know that if you there there are packages where the picks will help, but what I'm saying is that once draft night is over, that then the Celtics are in a much different situation because of the way their roster is currently constituted. The theory, the theory behind all of this is valid, you know. So I'm not, and I'm not saying you just go make a trade for the, the sake of making a trade. I sure as hell don't want Dwight Howard here for a lot of reasons. The contract, his attitude, like I don't like Dwight Howard. And so uh, I'm not advocating for a trade for him. But when the the theoretical was put out there that it, you you do the, the Boston pick, the Dallas pick, and a, a player, filler, Jarebko or Zeller or whatever, the guys that have enough salary or whatever to make something match, plus the Lee contract, I can see that going out if a team accepts it. I can see going for a player that maybe you wouldn't have gone for before because Danny Ainge has that extra that extra room to play with. He's got the Brooklyn pick. He's got next year's Brooklyn pick and our own pick, and he's got the same situation in 18. So you give up really very little in the draft – Yes, those two picks have value. They could turn into useful players. But again, the Celtics have a ton of players already under contract. This is what makes this scenario so different. What happens if on draft night these things that very well could happen, but they also very well might not happen, and it's probably more likely that they don't happen? What happens if Danny Ainge has to make those picks? What happens if no team comes along and Danny Ainge has three first-round picks, three guaranteed contracts to add to this roster? Then all of a sudden, you got way too many guys, and you put yourself in a, a, a little bit of a disadvantage when it comes to trading with another team because they know you got way too many guys. You have to get rid of somebody. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like... Even if even if it comes to that, they could just call some team and say, "Hey, you want to trade our 2016 pick for your 2017?" And boom, there you have a trade, and you put off that problem, which isn't really even a problem for another year. So that's the thing about traffic. Like, there, there's always something, someone you can trade it to. There's always someone looking to look up in the draft, or whatever, where. So I I think we're looking at this differently, um, but yeah, trade deadline is coming, and 
<laughs> and the Celtics will be targeting a lot of different players and making a lot of different calls. And this is an exciting time. This is this week could be very interesting because la- last time this year the Celtics stunk. Like they'd won four out of five, I think, heading into the All Star break. But they weren't a good team at this time. Nobody knew they were going to make the playoffs. So there was like like hope that they would go out and get somebody. But now it's like they have a pretty good team. And even if they make a decent upgrade, that they got a chance to to maybe make you know the Eastern Conference Finals. This is a good team. And this 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 week should be should be pretty interesting. There'll be a lot of rumors. And the funny thing about rumors, every single rumor mentions the Celtics. Every single one. It's like, oh yeah, the Celtics could could be an option there. Or uh, Danny Ainge could be interested because he has so many assets. It's like they have enough assets. They are mentioned every single time a player becomes available. It's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like that. I don't know how long it's been like that. I can't remember when it hasn't been like that because it, even when they had a really good teams, it was like Rondo was always rumored to be on the block, and they they've just probably since Ainge has been there, they're just in every single rumor, and doesn't matter which big name come comes available, the Celtics are always in the discussion. Yeah, and I mean we're at a point now where where people are making a lot of things up where. All of the usual names are out there, and I think we're at a point now where writers uh, for various outlets are just trying to dig in, into these rosters and figure out restricted free agents or whatever free agents are out there that they might say, well, what if, we, what if they decide they don't want to keep this guy? And then they just kind of, just in the effort to try and put new names out there. I think we're at that stage where people are trying to put new names out there and trying to get some attention by saying, no one's talked about this person yet, let's talk about that. So, I don't know. Uh, Let's get a couple more of these Twitter questions. We only have a couple more. Uh, Would you give up one of your toes... If you <laughs> if you never had to listen to Reggie Miller again, yes, I would give up nine of my toes if I never had to give up. If I never had to listen to Reggie Miller again, nine, nine of them, nine. nine. Actually, eight. Give me one toe on each foot, and and I'd be good. Wow. Yeah, I, Reggie Miller bugs me. He doesn't say anything interesting or enlightening or informative. There's nothing he does that really assists how you watch the game. And he was a great player. I enjoyed his career. I enjoyed a lot of his big shots. I enjoyed his bravado very much. But spare me Reggie Miller as a commentator because he doesn't even try to be insightful. And this is another J. King rant. Well, I agree. I would give up any one of your toes to get him <laughs> off the air. Um, we got an actual basketball question from Scott, <laughs> who asks, why do you think the Celtics struggle versus Toronto since the C's backcourt D is a strength 
and the Raptors guards are their strengths. So, well. Because the Raptors are really good. Those guards are really good. Lowry and DeRozan. And that's just it. I mean, they haven't been (laughs) blown out by Toronto at all. It's it's been like the last game. I think they lost by two, even though DeRozan went silly. He was silly good that game. So yeah, sometimes you get beat by really good players, and those guys are both all stars, both having really good years, and they can beat you. And yeah. so yeah, I mean theoretically, like maybe they should be able to stop those guys better, but yeah, they're really good players. But and I mean, really good players beat. Even good defenses. Yeah. Leave it at that. Um, let's get into the sting portion of our... No, we already oh, did sting. 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 We already did sting. Get out of here, sting. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. The All-Star game, I mean, I couldn't have been less entertained throughout that game. Should Could I put not sting... have been less entertained. Should I put sting music in the, the beginning and the end of the show? No, no, you should not put Sting music. Put put anything but Sting music, please. I, I've seen enough Sting for today. <laughs> um, all right, well, Jesus, uh, this flew by. We've been talking for almost an hour. We have. We have. But We have, and this is a bonus. This is a bonus Rain and Jays podcast. Yeah, this is episode 19, but normally we don't... We don't do two so close back-to-back. But, you know, it's All-Star Weekend. And when most teams, most people are taking breaks and relaxing, we're doing double work. That's it. That's what we do. We're, we're, we do it for the people. I hope the, the people appreciate how much work John Corrales puts into producing this podcast. On top of his normal job, John Corrales is a beast, people. He is a hero. For what he does for this podcast, much respect to him. Much respect. Thank even, you. Even if his his attitude toward the picks and stuff is backward. <laughs> <laughs> I went this entire show without saying anything about Evan Turner. I mean, that's because you were going to tell him how much you loved him and how much he was your Valentine. So it's it's probably a good thing you didn't gush too much about him. I didn't want to make it obvious. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, you're in love now. You're you've you, you're a fanboy of Evan Turner, and that's just how it goes. So the trade deadline's coming up in just a few days. Thursday, three p.m. We might have a transformative deal that changes the entire makeup of this team, and we'll have entirely new things to talk about. And so this will make the next Rain and Jays podcast really, really interesting. But we'll have to wait and see what Danny does or doesn't do and what picks he'll have to make on draft night and he won't have to make. So stay tuned and we will see you on the next Rain and Jays podcast. Napa know how. 
It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.